The date is Friday, July 1st, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. Some video games are more challenging than others, but with respawn points, any challenge can be overcome. What happens when those spawn points are taken away? That's where we enter roguish territory, and that'll be what we talk about today. So enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This. Entertain This. As always, I am Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm not Nick. Shit. Wow. Um, Fuck. (sighs) This is awkward. Sorry, guys. Not like always, I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I'm Chloe. Does it have the same ring to it? Nope. Can we try it in a... Can we try in a different order? Can we try Chloe second? Sure. I'm Alex. I'm Chloe. And I'm Michael. That doesn't work either. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> it really needs to end on a one-syllable name. Mm-hmm. Can I be Chloe? We could try it. All right. All right, take it from the top. Mm. Play, play the music again. The date is Friday, July 1st, and you're listening to Entertain This a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. Some video games are more challenging than others, but with respawn points, any challenge can be overcome. What happens when those spawn points are taken away? That's where we enter roguish territory, and that'll be what we talk about today. So enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. You know it, you love it, it's Entertain This. Entertain This. As always, I'm Alex... I'm Michael. And I'm Chloe. Yeah, see, it works a lot better with a one syllable. It does. It does. Yeah. It's got to be a one syllable. So we'll keep that in mind. The question is where's Nick? Where in the world is Nick Mustakangas? That's a very good question. <laughs> you know him as that whispered tone who sometimes tells jokes that you can't hear. And you got to rewind the podcast. You got to listen to it a couple times because he always tells them right <laughs> under somebody else saying something. <laughs> Got to figure out what he said. It's like a little mystery packed into every episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, those dulcet tones are not gracing this episode, nor the next, maybe not even the next one. You see, here at Entertain This, we believe in a uh, a thing called a leave of absence. A lot of jobs won't give you a leave of absence, but we, we at Entertain This consider ourselves to be uh, among the few who do. So, Thank God for unions, am I right? <laughs> There's no union. And I swear to God, if you say the word union again, you're out of here. You hear me? <laughs> anyway. Just kidding. That's what got not ready. I was not that's ready what for got, this to be the dark corporate tone that I entertained that she was going to take. That's, that's what got uh, Reply All canceled, was not believing in unions. <laughs> so just know that we don't, we don't have a union, but it's strictly because there's only three of us. So... <laughs> But if there were more, we'd have a dang, a ding dong yang ying union. You hear me? Uh, anyway, Nick, it, he's taking a leave of absence. A sabbatical, if you will. A, a bit of a sabbatical, much like, uh, much like Michael did in the early days of Entertain This. Mm-hmm. And it's natural. And all that it means is, whenever Nick comes back, it's my turn to take a couple months off, <laughs> which I cannot wait for. And I also don't really want so well the thing that helps is if it if it plays along where you'll hit burnout the same time in our lives as we did you still got like another two years oh good 
Yeah. So in good. two years, I can cash in. Yep. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. It's like an early retirement that only lasts a couple months. Long story short, Nick will be back. We don't know when. We don't know where. But he is coming. And when he comes back, it will be as off the wall as it's always been. Uh, we miss you, Nick. And we hope you come back soon. But we get there's a lot going on. So and in the meantime, you you've got your resident fact checker. But all we got the time. Chloe. Well, we're going to do it a lot like we did, Michael, where we have a, kind of a host step in each month. And if we like one better than Nick, then we'll kick him off permanently. <laughs> and out he goes. Yeah, and that Just totally kidding. never happened with me, right? Huh? That never happened with me, right? You never even told me you were coming back. I just showed up one day. <laughs> I think one day I came to hang out with you and you said, I'd like to come back. And I said, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, while we love and respect everyone's decision to take sabbaticals and take time off, like, God damn it, does it mess up the fucking flow? <laughs> yeah, man. I tried desperately to get like a one month host to join in. And it is difficult to get people to work this much time into their lives that they haven't already been doing. Like, we as a podcast have been going on for almost three years now. If not three years. Oh. Oh. Ish. Maybe a little less. I don't know. Nick would have told me if you were here <laughs> how many. It's probably two. Anyway, we've been going for a while. So, like, we have that expectation weekly of, like, on Wednesdays, we're going to meet up. We're going to talk about entertainment. Yeah. But it's hard to find somebody and be like, hey, can you be there every Wednesday for a month? And also, we're going to have a guest on, and you're going to have to talk to them too? Yeah. That's that's a hard thing to sell. It, yeah, to it's someone. a very hard sell. <laughs> so for the first month, we're going to take it easy, and we're just going to have Chloe step in as a resident fact checker, fresh off her off-off-off-off uh, off, off Broadway debut in the Cincinnati Fringe Festival. She's closed her show and is now back after her sabbatical that nice. lasted a couple of weeks. So, yeah. Shout out to the Fringe Festival. What's that sound? It's my roommates. I'm going to go shut the door. That's a good call. <laughs> See, it's our first episode, so we're learning. Um, <laughs> that being said, we do have an episode this week, and we need to get back into the meat and potatoes of what entertain this is. Yeah. It's the first week of the month, which means it is Michael's show. Yes, On you, Mike. Hello. Hi. I'm Michael. It's yep. my turn this week. Mm -hmm. uh, this week, uh, we are going to be talking about some cool stuff in the walk entertainment in. industry. You uh, walk us right supernatural into Supernatural intro. Uh, Come on, bud. So, uh, what's one thing in the entertainment industry that I know I like, I know you like, everybody likes it, and we've talked about many a times on the show, video games. Yeah, we all you basically, love... I don't know your track record, but I'm pretty sure your last three or four episodes have been video game based. I don't, I don't need you to call me out like that. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Come on I'm not now. It just happens to be thing. the most media that he consumes. Yeah, yeah, I don't. No, that makes total sense. Well, and it's the only media that I consume that you guys don't like actively make fun of me for. <laughs> it's because you're a weeaboo. 
We don't make fun of you. They just make a term for what you do, which is called being a weeaboo. Like, if there wasn't a term for it, we'd have no ground to stand on. But it's it's culturally not accepted, and you do it anyway. Just kidding. Hey, listen. If you if I'm you like if you like myself. anime, if you like Japanese culture, God bless you. Keep it up. Thank you. Anyways, we're talking about video games. We're talking specifically about a subgenre of video games that I find extremely interesting and one that I guarantee just about any of you have played at least once in your life, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, these types of video games are what's referred to as roguelikes. bit of a weird term uh like what is a rogue we know anybody who's like listened to our DD episode from way back in the day or has played like any fantasy game in the past like 30 years they probably know what a rogue is that's the that's a sneaky boy uh, that's the guy who sulks off into the shadows and uh, doesn't like to cooperate with the party um that's the rogue well what what do we mean by a roguelike so a roguelike video game is technically characterized as any video game that includes like levels, characters, items, enemies, anything like that that is completely randomly generated. Now it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, to the point where people felt the need uh, back in like early 2000s-ish to give a actual definition to what these games entail. To the point where it Ha the, the definition has its own like word it's called the berlin interpretation uh basically a bunch of nerds met up in berlin to discuss what these games are actually called nerds uh, <laughs> i wonder so, why the hot spot was berlin what yeah, a terrible no vacation <laughs> Just I'm, the worst. Absolutely zero clue. I hope their wives were very upset and sitting at the bar the whole time complaining. Except for that one part where they were like, that's where the wall fell. <laughs> what year well, was this? The wall might have still been up. I, it was like early 2000s. I'm pretty sure the wall had fallen at that the, point. The wall was way down. Yeah, it was point. way down. Uh, so either it was a bunch of like really rich tech guys or it was a bunch of like really sweaty nerds who never left their mom's basement. Somehow all of them were able to fund a ticket to Germany. Um, so what what is the Berlin interpretation? What does that thing read as? Well, to be considered a roguelike game, a game must be an overhead. And these are going to be a lot of terms coming and flying at you fast that might not make some sense to anyone who's not like plugged into this stuff. Roguelike game might be must be an overhead turn-based dungeon crawler RPG with random level generation in which the player progresses from one floor of a dungeon to the next while managing resources, health, and or stamina. Often with the game completed by reaching the final floor of the dungeon. Roguelikes that adhere to the Berlin interpretation must include grid-based level design with the layout and dungeon map auto-revealed as the player explores it. This is all taken straight from Wikipedia. <laughs> Explores it with enemies that only move when the player moves it uh, moves to make it feel like more like a turn-based puzzle game rather than an overhead action RPG. 
They must also have a level of complexity from item to item, item to enemy, enemy to enemy interactions that provide multiple solutions to every single problem you might encounter in these games. But most importantly, you must have permadeath. Now, what does all that mean? Basically, games that are random and when you die, you die for real. Basically, so like your save file gone kaput you got to start all over back from the very when beginning you die Any in the game you, you die in real life <laughs> it's the closest we can get to that <laughs> that's like what minecraft hardcore mode used to be that's exactly what it is they so, took that out of the game i loved it did they really i mean yeah, i'm man. not the most avid minecraft player but... yeah there used to be a version of minecraft where if you died it deleted your world and it's like Dang. big stakes yeah well that's like that's like a really popular version of like video game difficulty is like it makes it meant to make like the whole idea of playing the game feel much more impactful every decision mm -hmm. actually has a lot more meaning and that's kind of like the whole concept of what roguelikes are based off of it's you go in you go through these random puzzles you try and solve them as best you can and you come out the other end either a absolutely pathetic loser Mm -hmm. Or uh, a winner who then has to do it all over again. Uh, and that's it. And the thing that I have really learned over the last like five or six years for myself, these are all my favorite types of video games. Uh, it just happens to be in this follow suit with everything I've talked about here on this, po on this podcast for the last few years. Uh, my favorite games are all the really difficult ones. The ones that make death out to be this really big uh, thing that you have to overcome. We always can point back to like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, all that stuff. Um, and here we are. I just love, I love death. It's great. Um, it's, it's, it's really like cultivates this whole ideology that death is not a punishment. It's just a stepping stone for you to continue to learn and grow. And, it's not really shown better than consistently across an entire genre like roguelikes. Roguelikes do the best job at interpreting that concept. Um, so yeah, so for the longest time, like these sorts of games, they, they really became much more popular over time. And when things become more popular, evolution happens. Uh, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, so eventually, as more and more people were making these games, bringing new ideas to the table, the definition of what a roguelike is kind of got stretched a little bit. Eventually, we started having games that follow every single one of these principles that then establish some forms of like checkpoints where it's like you have like a home base where you can spend the resources that you collect during your playthroughs, having some form of like permanent progression. Yeah, it's just like instead of like losing all progress on death, you just lose like all your items or your experience points, but you still get to keep moving forward. So what does the term roguelike even come from though? So this all started back in the eighties, as you might believe it. Um, the original rogue game was created by Michael toy and Glenn Wickman, uh, the, on computer mainframes at UC Santa Cruz. As University of California. Santa the Cruz. banana slugs. Yeah. Hey, you have a shirt for that. I do. It's in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> mm. Oh, hey. That's a great song. 
great movie too. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this game that they created, Rogue, it was heavily inspired by choose your own adventure games. So we all remember those sorts of books growing up in the the scholastic library. Flip to page of old. thirty-two if you want to go through this door. Yeah, the trick was always keeping. Well, that's your hand. a very good pickup line. <laughs> As we all remember, the trick to those was always keeping your hand on like whatever page you were leaving from. That way, if you see a death immediately, you just flip right back. I don't know why my brain forgot where we were a second. I thought you were giving them the advice of like, if you're ever in a maze, keep your hand on one wall. <laughs> Get back Leave to where we're at. Leave the little breadcrumbs behind. It's, it's been a long day, and all of our shit is just like mm. all over the place. Yep. Okay, so I have a question. Please, fire mom. <laughs> uh, Dunkey played this game. I uh, Let me check my facts here. Uh, three years ago on YouTube called Enter the Gungeon. Yes. Is that Does that qualify as a roguelike game? It abs- Well, this depends on what kind of nerd you're talking to. Sure. Um, because like, let, let's be real here. Any any of you nerds out there, and then not talking to you two, I'm talking to like anybody in the nebulous you. Uh any one of you that are like, no, the Berlin interpretation is the only interpretation. That's all. Everything that's not a roguelike is a roguelite. And that's that's like a really stupid and pedantic differentiation. It's just like, it's not the def- it's not the exact definition we gave, so we have to give a new definition to it. It's like, and just stretch stretch the old definition. Words change meaning all the time. Right. It can that's be a big That's how we got umbrella. fucking English language there, man. <laughs> give it a rest. Um but yeah, so Dead Enter the Gungeon is a perfect example of a roguelike game. Cool. Because um, that's the first thing that popped into my head. It was like the only example I could even think of. Yeah. Like, it is... Uh, Enter the Gungeon is a game by, I think, Devolver Digital, uh, it, where you essentially you play as a teeny little character, <laughs> and you are kind of navigating your way through this, like, through this dungeon, aptly named The Gungeon. Uh, and your whole thing in there is that you are fighting against other little bullet creatures with different guns that you get throughout your little journey that you can power up as you go through. And then at the very end of it, whether you die or you make it to the end, you lose all your progress, essentially, except for little bits of like currency that you get to go back to the home base and spend it to either unlock new characters or to unlock like permanent power ups. That's basically it. Enter the Gungeon's like a very comedic take on them that gets to be very fun. And this is where like it really conflicts with the it, the Berlin interpretation. Uh, feels like every time I say that, I'm saying like the Geneva Convention. Right. Uh, who were these guys? Uh, who? The, the Toy and who, Wickman? Who made up the Berlin Convention? Oh, literally just a group of nerds. That's it. They had no say. They did not work for a gaming company. I'm sure some of them did, but like... It just sounds like they went on vacation, and while they were in the hot tub, they were like, we should go with a name for something like this. No, this was like, like, people came together for like a a conference uh, about roguelike games, Uh, and it's the most like... So if they didn't have the title roguelike game yet, what did they call a conference, Michael? I don't know, man. Take a guess, for comedy's sake. Uh, um, oh god, what's the most pretentious, nerdy thing I can think of? Um, Kill Quest. Yeah, Kill Quest. Kill Con. Kill Con. (laughs) 
Rogue now, Con. now what's now what's the longest name that we can give it? Ooh, the longest name. Let me let me pull up synonym.com real quick. The convention for games in which when you play them and you die, you no longer get to play them and you must start from the beginning. Name to come in convention. There you go. I like it. <laughs> there is a book that's been published on taylorfrancis.com called The Berlin Interpretation. It, says it it's, is about history. It's a collection from the conference, so there's that. Oh, really? Oh, dang. So there were enough people that, like, cared about this that, like, they they actually, like, published there is works. There literature about it. Wow. <laughs> That's, that in and of itself is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if there's one thing that you can count on about, like, a group of nerds, it's to document the stupid shit that they come up with that's pretty much what this podcast is in a nutshell exactly (laughs) so like i guess i can't really say anything better (laughs) can't make fun of them too much (laughs) um but yeah so let's let's take a take a step back back into the 80s just like we do when we watch stranger things back to michael toy and glenn wickman so they're at uc santa cruz they are playing these sorts of adventure games but the thing is with adventure games like it like think about it this way if you read the same choose your own adventure book over and over again that same one you know exactly what's going to happen when you make these different choices it starts to become a little bit stale there's not really too much of like a differentiating factor there there's no sort of like it loses the volatility from the first time that you read the book where it's certain death is just awaiting 20 pages away mm-hmm. Um, even if the book is rated for like 10 year olds. Um, <laughs> uh, so they're thinking like, okay, like we know how to program stuff. Like the internet is new and fun. Um, this is technically before the internet. Um, but like we like computers and coding. I can relate to that. Um, so they wanted to create their own version of these choose your own adventure games. And um, their core principle of it was that they didn't want to know what was coming next. They never wanted to know what was going to be around the corner. So what they ended up doing was, is they had this game that they ran through a terminal. Now, like, I don't know if anyone out there is computer savvy enough to know, like, what exactly a terminal is. Uh, It's essentially, like, a little window into the the core root of your operating system on your computer. That's like It's where you go to break your computer when exactly. you're trying to get Minecraft for free. Exactly. That's exactly it. Everything <laughs> I do can be traced back to Minecraft. Okay. <laughs> um but yeah, so it's the so the thing is though with a terminal, you you only got like the the letters and symbols that can show up uh, when you type on your keyboard, that's it. There's no sorts of like visual processing engine. There's really no graphics, none of that stuff that we're used to these days. So they essentially made an entire choose your own adventure game that was randomly generated that was shown and expressed through just what are called ASCII characters. This is going to be like a real technical part of this episode that I'm just going to indulge myself in, if you don't mind. There are other uh, programmers out there. Yeah. Um, Shout out to you, by the way. Yeah. Sound off in the comments there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess on YouTube there are comments. Yeah. Sound yeah. off in the comments. <laughs> Let us know how you're doing. But yeah, so they, they figured out a way to like sh- visually show this entire game through just ASCII characters. So ASCII being like the capital A-S-C-I-I. Basically just like the terminology for the different symbols that can show up on your computer. 
Uh, and it's through this that um, they ended up kind of getting this like cult like following. Um, so I'll actually read a little quote here from from one Mr. Wickman, uh, one of the two. Um, Most of the existing adventure type games had canned adventures. They were exactly the same time. They were exactly the same every time you played. And of, of course, the programmers who invented all the puzzles and they would know all of the answers to all the games. And it was no fun for them to actually beat it. Um, so they decided with Rogue, or so we decided with Rogue. I forgot I was reading a quote. Uh, the program itself should build the dungeon, giving you a new adventure every time you played and making it possible for even the creators to be surprised by the game. Um, back in the 80s, that was like a crazy new concept. The fact that something could be like fully computer generated every time that you ran a program and it'd be different every single time. So when it, we say rogue, we don't mean sneaky rogue. We mean rogue as an uncontrollable rogue, like a rogue machine. Well, let's hold up there a little bit. Okay, fuck. Because <laughs> we're talking about you got the thing you got to remember is we're talking about nerds in the eighties. Yeah, all right, but What's they were all th- scared of rogue technology. Well, the thing is though is let's think about that's the thing. when Hal existed, right? Board games. Hold your, hold your damn horses, there, Alex. No, you hold your horse. I miss Nick. Horses in my back. Um. You won't have horses, and neither do I. Keep yeah. going. So we th- let's let's take a moment and think about like what are things that nerds absolutely loved in the 80s one computers two pocket protectors sure three button-up shirts four brown belts let's talk let's let's move towards the entertainment side of things what what dungeons and dragons yes you got it <laughs> Shit. nerds loved dungeons and dragons math they um, love Dungeons and Dragons. They nice. love those quiz shows that their schools put on where they get to hit the button and buzz in. Uh, oh, God. What were those? Spelling bees. Well, that was... Oh. Science fairs. Um, like the trivia club? Mm. Yeah, sure. Speech and debate? Uh, speech and debate. Yeah. Speech and debate. Oh, uh, um... Nope, lost it. Yeah, it's I I got it fiddling back in the back in my little mind swamp back there. Anyway, Dungeons and Dragons. But yeah, so all nerds love computers and Dungeons and Dragons in the eighties. That that was kids. It. These kids will not get their hands off of them math rocks and computer keyboards, and yeah. we don't know what to do about it's it. It's too enticing, and it makes no sense to me. So it must be Satan. Exactly. They love them. Back when I was a kid, we used to throw rocks at trains. Now what? Look at them. They're throwing rocks at my kitchen table. This sucks. <laughs> and throwing rocks at do trains his... is perfectly good Christian entertainment. <laughs> we got to do something else. We got to get them doing something else. What else What else are we going to get them to do, Mike? Well, let's make video games. Okay. <laughs> Will they stop throwing rocks at my table? Yeah, they'll they'll be too busy sweating it up until three a.m. trying to type on their keyboards. I don't care what they do. We'll put a lock on their door for a reason. They can do whatever they want in there with their keyboard. <laughs> oh no, they cannot. <laughs> That's a bad idea. <laughs> and then the yeah. internet was invented. <laughs> and then the precursor to the internet was invented, uh, where this gave it's called. Arp, I don't know if it, this is like a, if you say the acronym, it's A R P A N E T, ARPANET. Uh, basically, it was the, the the internet before the internet that was run by the Department of Defense. Oh, no. It was given to oh, yeah. all of the uh, colleges across the U.S. Hey, that was in Stranger Things too. 
the, the, I don't know. I haven't seen Stranger Things in a while. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert for season four of Stranger Things. <laughs> um, also, audio yeah. warning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give those. Um. So yeah, so we're back at the ARPANET. These guys, these these two little guys, Toy and Wickman, decide, hey, we like this thing. We're in college. We have access to the ARPANET. Uh, why don't we go ahead and just upload our little video game we made and see how people like it? Wait. Was this Zork? Excuse me? Is this Zork? I don't know what that is. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> An excellent question. <laughs> it's a video game series, of course. Oh. An interactive fictional computer game. It was originally developed by four members of the MIT Dynamic Modeling Group. It was known as the first video game. Uh, it was a text adventure game. Uh, it disguised itself uh, in its genre and was especially rich in both the quality and storytelling and the sophistication of the text parser, which was not limited to simple verb-noun commands, but recognized some prepositioned and conjunctions. Alex, you know this extremely well. Did you prepare, prepare this? Nope. Wow. You're so smart. Thank you, Matt. It's very good. Here's how I know about Zork, is because there used to be an Easter egg in Call of Duty Black Ops where you could get up from the torture chair and go over to a computer and type in the command Zork, and you would get to play through the entire game of the first Zork. Huh. I had no idea. Wow. That's a great fun fun little fact there. Anyway, back to you. Yeah. So these guys decide to, to put this up on the ARPANET, and it takes off. All of the other nerds who had access to this little thing before the internet. Which was all of them. Yeah. They, they all uh, basically... Found it, fell in love with it, and started playing the absolute crap out of it. Um, and it just kind of like started to take off more and more. But it was still this very like niche programmer thing. Like only the people who were in like the upper, more like sophisticated levels of education had access to this thing. Right. So eventually, these guys, uh, I think specifically Glenn Wickman, I don't remember, uh, got a job at uh, Berkeley. Um, where he worked with some other guys uh, to on the the like the BSD Unix system. Uh, Unix is essentially just like a modular operating system. It's what like Mac is built on top of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they ended up in a 1984 version of this operating system, just shipping Rogue natively like just it came with these computers it came with these operating systems so and this this ended up being like a really popular operating system for people who were more like like the the really big i'm just gonna keep calling them nerds uh during this time the people who are really into tech we want to be clear when he says nerds he does mean us yeah (laughs) of course clearly clearly that's us that's (laughs) who he's talking to (laughs) <laughs> I'm a nerd every single day. <laughs> that he gets paid. We, you and I both get paid to be nerds. It's great yeah. every day. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, so you've got this thing that like all of these, uh, all of these technolo- technology aficionados are uh, just falling in love with, and it's just such a unique concept for a game. 
that a lot of people haven't really seen before. And from there, this kind of spawned a bunch of other games that followed suit with this. Um, they're, they're especially coming out of, like, Japan. I mean, this is at the time where a lot of video games are coming out of Japan. It's like the first little founding steps of little games like uh, Squaresoft and uh, Nintendo, uh, where they're just having a great time Nintendo. and making cool stuff. Nintendo. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so let's let's so there's this big nebulous period of roguelike games uh which is really 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 cool but let's fast forward it a little bit because a lot of the stuff didn't really evolve for a long time and now let's move more into really the last like 15 years and along comes a little game called splunky um it's a cute little game about being a little little cave cavey boy going down into these stalactites and stalagmite-filled uh, caverns and trying to find treasure and mm -hmm. trying to beat... It's a game about just being a little guy yeah, and doing a lot of little stuff yeah, and just being a silly little guy. Yep, you try, You got to fight like the little creatures that come in this cave. You got to try and make it all the way to the end with your treasure so you walk out all successful-like. But... Is they decided to make this one a little bit of a roguelike game itself. So, what happens if you die to those creatures in the game? All your progress gets reset back to zero. No. What? <laughs> Except, this game likes to took a little bit of a diversion. We talked about the Berlin interpretation before, where everything must be like a grid-based level design. It has to be like a turn-based puzzle game. Splunky decided not to do that. They decided to take a little bit of inspiration from games like Metroid, the one with uh, with Samus in the in the orange armor. Samus, uh, yeah, we all know her from Smash Bros. Samus, uh, yeah. Uh, they decided to take inspiration from that and turn this game into more of like a Metroidvania type style of a game. And everyone who attended the Berlin interpretation was like, "You're not allowed to do that." That's just like you're not allowed. Like that's not a roguelike game. You can't do it. Meanwhile, everyone in the world who played this game was like, "No, this game is fantastic." What do you mean it can't do this? Like this is an incredible game, and it shares all of this awesome stuff with these games that you guys really like. You're not gonna like it on just the principle of it being different. It's basically how it went. Um, but what they ended up finding is like taking a lot of those base core features out of what roguelikes were made these games a lot more interesting to your average everyday person uh just a lot more fun because i mean if we look back on it turn-based video games kind of gone out the window the last few years mm -hmm. people just aren't really playing those too much anymore so people saw the success of splunky and were like oh okay that's really fun what if we take those ideas even further and then comes games like Enter the Gungeon, uh, The Darkest Dungeon, which is kind of like a survival gothic horror version of all this. Um, and one of my absolute favorite versions of this is a game called The Binding of Isaac. The Binding Ooh, of Isaac Reaper. Okay. So have either of you ever heard of this game? I've heard of it. Yeah. So a little, a little, little quick dive into it. The Binding of Isaac was originally a flash game that you could only play on, in, on your internet browser. Which, um, gosh, that makes it so much easier to play. <laughs> it does. It's super accessible. I miss um, those days. Me too. But the big thing with this was that it was a twin-stick shooter. 
Now we all know those where it's like you got a controller, you got a point like with your right stick, like that's where you're looking and that's where you're gonna shoot stuff. The left stick, that's where you're gonna move. Mm -hmm. You just gotta mm -hmm. control two things at once. Um, the big thing here with this game was heavily inspired by The Legend of Zelda. Yes, but also heavily inspired by the creator's uh, semi-abusive uh, Christian upbringing. Oh, yes. Which I think a lot oh, of us no. can relate to. <laughs> uh, essentially, it is the story of a boy named Isaac whose mother hears from uh, the voice of God one day that her son is a sinner and that she must punish him. And so Isaac's mom listens to this and is like, yes, God, I'll do whatever it is you ask. And so what she does is she strips Isaac naked, removes all of his stuff, and then throws him into the dank basement of their home. Uh, and it's through this that Isaac must traverse his basement. And in doing so, the levels of hell itself um, to overcome this oppression from his mother. Uh, and God himself as well. <laughs> so that's also like the biblical story of Isaac. It's not his mom. It's his dad, Abraham. Yeah. It's but, it's it's definitely an interpretation idea, of it, though. Yeah. The idea is that God says, hey, you love me, right? And Abraham's like, oh, for show. <laughs> and he's like, if you love me so much, why don't you kill your son for me? And Abraham's like, oh, for show. <laughs> And then goes to kill his son Isaac, literally ties him up and goes to sacrifice him to God. Mm -hmm. And then God stops him and was like, nah, just kidding. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah, don't do that. Nah, LOL, JK. <laughs> LOL, JK, just, you know, kill that ram instead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go get a ram and kill that instead. But I guess this time God was like, he forgot to send the memo that was like, LOL, JK. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, the, the really cool thing with this one is that like, so to give you an idea of the, like, I'm just sorry. the tone of this game, you are, you are a small naked boy whose only weapon is his projectile tears. That's just my life. <laughs> actually. His tears. Yeah. His tears. Every um, time he blinks, he shoots more tears that can hurt the little enemies that pop up like no. little, little poos, uh, that you fight, uh, or, <laughs> He's crawling he, through the sewers is what's happening. His like his crawl space in his house basically. Um okay. Yeah, you you fight from little little tiny poos with like corn in them uh all the way up to the actual embodiments of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> small beginnings, small beginnings. Oh, um, and it's this. it's do You incredible. get to beat the shit out of your mom? Yeah, you do. <gasps> Good. Yeah, except Love you, you, it's mom. not like, nothing against you. It's, it's strictly not, Isaac's mom. It's not like his mom is like a person though. This these games get real metaphysical real quick. Uh, it's essentially his mom has taken over an entire room, and you have to fight the small exposed parts of her. Why is that? Because it's a game where you're fighting demons and poop. It kind of reminds me of Undertale a little bit. A little bit. I mean, Undertale is probably like a much more wholesome take on this sort of thing. It's 
It's I can guarantee you it's more wholesome than the Binding of Isaac. Yes, there's a lot more blood and gore in this one for sure. Um, but Undertale's pretty spooky. Undertale's a little bit of a spooky game. Uh, I need spooky. to go back and play it. That's that would be a especially great if you episode. do the genocide route. It's um... oh yeah, that turns it into a horror game. Yeah. If you try to do the the pacifist route and then halfway through you get bored so you go to do the genesis route it's even worse because everybody remembers you mm. and they're like oh hey fr- yep <laughs> special sound effect for you guys out there feel free to use it in whatever uh future projects yeah. you have we only take small amounts of royalties it's fine yeah by small amounts we mean like pieces of cheese yeah from your craft singles, you never notice they're gone, but you always thought you had one more piece of cheese when you get to the bottom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or just like the dust left from the like taco shredded cheese bags. Mm-hmm. We the- take uh, that clipped toenail clipping that you couldn't find after it flew across the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and tax papers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, anything that you've been looking for in a time of need. Or just out of like, just it just disappears from the world. We got it. <laughs> and we don't always take things. Sometimes we just, you know, keep them for a little bit as sort of like a like an even exchange pawn shop situation. Yeah, that's like your social security card. <laughs> we'll have that for a couple of years, and then we'll give it back. <laughs> so the Binding of Isaac, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the Binding of Isaac. So that's that's basically this game. It like is just a wild ride from start to finish. Um, there's the Flash game, but then there's also a new version of it called the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Um, Ew. There's also a, an expansion called the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. Uh, I'm not over getting born a, once, let alone twice or thrice. There's a card game as well. There is uh, the Legend of Bumbo, I think. Bumbo? Yeah. Bumbo's one of the items you can collect, and he's a little guy that travels around with you and takes He's just your... an even littler guy. Yeah, he's an even littler guy. And he's, he's an just... even littler, sillier guy. And he no. just he'll just take your coin from you and give you little little goodies for it. He's just a littler, sillier guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> Wait, I Googled him and he can get huge. He can He's get just huge. a big old goofy boy. <laughs> He's just like a mound of a little boy. <laughs> yeah, why do these pink mounds have teeth? Why wouldn't they? Like a lot of teeth. Have you seen Have you seen the movie Teeth? No. Okay, Google that, but don't react to it on the I show. I don't want to. Anyway. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so go give that game a try. Like it is if you if you can handle the just ab- the abs- objective absurdity of it. Like, you're going to fall in love with it. Like, so many, like, some of the most fun parts about this game is that every item does just, like, a little bit of a tweak to major tweaks. And it's the the most fun seeing how all of those item interactions uh, just happen and what the re- end result is. Because it can get absolutely wacky um, and just tons and tons of fun. But where does that take us? Uh, that takes us to what I've been doing with my life for the last three weeks. Uh and that is playing a, another roguelike game called Hades. Uh, oh. Have any, either of you heard of this one? Again, heard of. Okay. It came out in 2020, so like two years ago. 
and took off. People loved this game, and to the point where I think it even won the 2020 Game of the Year. Um, but so this game is part of a series, kind of, of games by a single game developer called Supergiant Games. Um, Supergiant Games was a studio founded by two people, Amir Rao and Gavin Simon, in 2009. And the big appeal with these games, they all are these like isometric viewport, very bright, vibrant games, all focused around like these telling really good stories, along with having just incredible voice acting and incredible music to go along with it. Um, their kind of foray into the gaming industry started with a little game called Bastion back in 2011. Bastion is kind of like a little action RPG where you play as a, a guy called the kid, uh, where you just wake up in this post-apocalyptic world and you got to fight through it, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. And the big draw with this is that as you're going through this game, everything that you're doing is narrated by just one guy. And so it's like if you like decide to like if you accidentally fall off a cliff, it'll just be like, yep, and that's when the kid fell to his death. And then the kid falls right back on the place. Like, nah, I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> and these games are just incredibly charming and just super unique in the way that it decides to tell its story. Um, this is kind of like another one of these uh, like twin stick st shooter style games. But you can tell that like it was incredible, especially incredible for the time. But if you go back and play it now, it definitely has its hiccups. Like the combat is not the best. Like, it's, the movement isn't, like, the best. Some of the systems in it aren't, like, the most captivating things ever. But still, an incredible game. I went back, like, two or three years ago and played it again. Absolutely loved it. Um, then let's take another few steps forward here. We got Transistor, another game that they made. Came out in 2013, another action RPG. The big draw with this one, though, was that you had the normal, like, real-time combat. You're just kind of going through the level, fighting people. Um, but then they also introduced frozen time combat. This is where we kind of go into, like, okay, this is playing a little bit of an homage to the, uh, the roguelike games. You come into this level, and whenever you want, you can just freeze time and turn this game into a turn-based RPG. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> It's really, really cool. It's like whenever you have a moment where it's like you're trying to put the pieces together of the puzzle of the, the little board, you can just freeze time and plan out every single little move that you make. Dang. The drawback is, is that once you stop doing that, you can't do anything with your character for a few seconds. You got to give it time to recharge. Um, the big thing with this is that it has like a super techie theme. You play as a character named Red, who's a famous singer in this universe, who had people come after her to assassinate her, who fail, and they try to assassinate her with this big, great, like, look, it looks like a stick of ram, but it's a great sword. Uh, they fail to kill her with it. Uh, it's That thing is called the Transistor. And it ends up developing, being essentially possessing the soul of a man. And the game is the man who is in the sword talking to Red throughout it to try and, like, extract uh, and it, it interpolate all of the information of the world to you, the player. Um, super, super cool game. Fast forward another four years into the future, and out comes their third game, Pyre. This one gets weird. 
So where the last two were it's action the RPGs. Last, the last two were weird. This one's even weirder. Um, Can we take a break before we get even weirder and just talk for a second? Sure. Because I sure would like to. Yes. Because I want to I wanna voice an unpopular opinion Do it. that I feel and I want to share. Because I may not be alone, but I might be. Because you brought it up. Uh, turn-based combat. Yeah. I hate it. Me too. It's not for me. I hate turn-based combat, and I hate almost every game that involves turn-based combat. It's one of those things, like, I get it. I see the appeal. It's just not for me. That's because I am a fan of strategy, okay? I get it. Mm -hmm. I get people who are fans of strategy. I think you can work strategy into games without making it combat-oriented. What about Pokemon? I'm... It's fine, but I find myself just spamming my most powerful move in Pokemon over and over again. What about Dungeons and Dragons? That's turn-based combat. The turn-based combat in Dungeons and Dragons is my least favorite part of Dungeons and Dragons. Wow, that's a hot take. <laughs> Including Exposing when, I'm live. <laughs> when I'm DMing, it is different, I guess, because it's... The reason that Dungeons and Dragons is turn-based combat is because the combat is a part of the story, and the only way to highlight each individual character in a combat is by making it turn-based. Also, there's no way you could run c combat in Dungeons and Dragons unless it was turn-based. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, the fact that six seconds is one turn and was one round rather in combat that means that you can be spending six hours playing this game and you will have amounted to about 10 minutes in game like that's nuts yeah <laughs> it's it's one of those things like there is such a huge disconnect where it's like you are the player and like what's happening in the game just does not like it doesn't match up no like, and i always feel when you're playing cooperatively that's why like turn-based combat especially in like a multiplayer setting doesn't make sense to me it's like i just watched them do that i should be able to complement that with another action but it's like no because technically you're doing this at the same time and it's like we are but are we well, you I know turn-based combat to me is just chess like that that is chess it's mm -hmm. like one person does one thing, does one move. Next person does another thing that's one move. And it's just trading that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's That's all it is from top to bottom. And I fucking hate chess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, there are other forms of combat in video games where it's like strictly based on how fast you can move and yeah. how quickly you can execute moves. Mm -hmm. Well, and that that's, it's you've it, trained. It to made do. it made video games a lot more uh, accessible to a lot more people. It became it turned video games from something that was like you had to be like relatively smart to process all this information, interpret all the numbers, and get to the end goal of getting the other guy's health down to zero. To like, no, like if you're like, you can be just better at this game than other people. Mm -hmm. you, you there's a much higher level of like reactivity and skill that is involved with it which for most people is easier to learn than learning heavy in-depth strategy even stardew yeah. valley does that mm -hmm. 
it just makes more sense at this point, depending on the game. There are still Stardew, some... Incl- Stardew Valley does what exactly? I'm sorry. There I remember is there being real, combat. Real-time ta- real but... combat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when you're in the cave, You go right? down into the mines and the caves, and, like, bugs and snakes and shit come at you, and as long as you have good you gotta, weapons, you can... You gotta hit them with yeah. shit. Yeah, you it's can react. Like smack them. Kind of like Terraria, if you ever played that's that. How, that's how things should be. Yeah, yeah. you can eat That's how the Binding health. of Isaac is. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> anyway, turn-based combat is bad, and I just wanted to talk about it for a second. Never mind. Bye. There's still some great games that have turn-based combat, like yeah. un- like Undertale, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, it just it don't hit the same. But there's it also feel... you react in Undertale because you have to dodge the other person. That's something you don't Undertale get in turn-based. Makes combat feel more like a mini game it's than one... a turn-based combat. Yeah. It, yeah, it takes turn-based combat and makes it more engaging. Is my take. Yeah, it's it's just it's a better version of turn-based combat. Um, but yeah, so where were we? We're back to Pyre. We're back to Pyre, mm-hmm. the weird one of the bunch. Yeah, let's um, talk about the grand finale, the weirdo. Well, this isn't quite the grand finale, but it's definitely does it the get weirdo. weirder? No, this is definitely the weirdest. Okay, so cool. the last two games, while they were like kind of weird little games, they were incredible, incredible stories. Uh, both action RPGs. That was like isomorphic action RPGs. That was Supergiant's bread and butter. Pyre still kept the super vibrant colors and the isomorphic viewpoint. Didn't want to make another action RPG game, though. They figured out, like, okay, what are we really, really good at? We're really good at telling a story. So they decided to make a game that is a combination between a visual novel as well as NBA 2K21 or something. Shut up. <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> Shut yeah. up. That sucks. They basically made a game that is a combination of, like I said, a visual novel and a basketball sports game. I hate that. It, you say that now, but it's actually fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, essentially, the whole premise of this game is that you um, – are traveling with this team of people who are trying to earn the Harlem Globetrotters, essentially (laughs) trying to earn their way back into like civilization. And in doing that, they have to compete against other people trying to do the same thing. Um, Yes. The actual gameplay. I think they're called the generals. uh, It's something like that. Play them every Tuesday across the U S it is. I, that is it, right? I don't know. I haven't ever gone to one, but that sounds familiar. I, th- I know I've seen the Globetrotters on Scooby-Doo. Don't know if I've ever seen the Generals on Scooby-Doo. Look that up. But the whole premise of this game is that uh, you have a team of three individuals who are fit like different profiles. you got like big, big girl who has giant horns, who is the slow but really, really strong one. It's uh, the Washington Generals. You got it. You. Uh, and then you got like a regular ass dude who's kind of like the medium in between of the two. And then he got like a little smaller uh, hyena dog looking guy nice. who's extremely quick and get from one end of the, of the field to the other. And the whole premise of this is that you are just one person controlling. You are just one person controlling all of these different characters. Uh, what that means is like you're only limited to being able to move a single person at once. These char- These other characters, they just sit still while you are trying to uh, do something with one of the other guys. 
what that ends up doing is is creating this dynamic where it treats this real-time sports game more like a game of chess more like a puzzle in a way that isn't awful um and it becomes this thing where you have to try and take out and banish other players characters from the field and try and take this ball and score it into the other team's goal um such a super unique concept for a sports game essentially uh the biggest thing though is that every single game that you play throughout the story has a very giant meaningful um impact on the storyline of the game and every time you go through depending on if you win or lose different games the outcome of the story is going to be completely different um and it kind of takes a little bit of ideas from roguelikes in that where like everything happens kind of at random and depending on what happens during your run like things will change throughout the course but then that brings us to today what have i been doing for the last three weeks i've been playing this game called hades hades is the closest damn interpretation to a roguelike that super giant games has ever made the whole idea of it is that you play as a uh, as zagreus the son of hades the prince of hades um it is the prince of the underworld essentially uh and you are trying to escape the underworld uh, you have to fight through all the different levels like tartarus asphodel elysium even the gates right before the, the entrance of the underworld and you are going through this and you are presenting it to the outside world because there's been a seal over uh over the underworld where none of the gods of olympus can even knew who zagreus was uh, for the longest time but as soon as he starts trying to escape they find out and they think like oh he's trying to leave to come join us on olympus yeah like your dad sucks like he's awful come hang out and party with us so we got dionysus and aphrodite are having a great time up here uh so what they do is, is they try and give him their boons like different little powers that you can get throughout the game that drastically change the way that you even play the game and um uh, it's through this that you discover these sorts of like non-linear story points like everything that happens in this game happens at random but the genius of it is that you're interacting with all these different gods like zeus poseidon aphrodite dionysus uh you're interacting with uh, athena with A Ares, with all these different greek gods who all get to chime in on this story that you are encountering throughout this playthrough and through this, the game is very hard though. Like you have to actually get good and get better at this game as you're playing it. But every time something happens, you get taken right back to the uh, the, the great hall of the underworld where you've got Hades just sitting at his little uh, secretary desk processing all the papers of all those damned little souls <laughs> down in the underworld. Uh, and it's through this that you learn the story of what is actually going on and you learn that zagreus isn't trying to go join the people up on mount olympus he's wanting to go find his mother who he finds out left uh, the underworld before he even got a chance to know her um and the way that zagreus even ends up learning that he has a mother is one of the funniest goddamn things i've ever encountered in a video game and that's something that I don't want to spoil for anyone who wants to play this game and give it a shot. Go do it. You, you learn it in the first, like, ten minutes. Just go do it. It's a great time. Um, but the big joy of this game is that 
you as Zagreus, you get to, there's so, it takes everything that we know at this point about roguelike games and just adds tons and tons of little flavor on top of it. Um, so we gave this like super strict interpretation of like the, the Berlin interpretation that was for like the really sweaty guys who are just like, nah, you got to follow this exact rule. Otherwise, I'm not going to play your game. Um, Good. We, we can go back to, to Michael Toy and Glenn Wickman, the original creators of Rogue. And what they said is that they would have added a lot more features to the game if they even had the time or the ability to. You got to think, going back all that time, they were limited to just being able to output the the characters that we have available to us on our keyboards. And that was it. Um, and so Hades takes all those same concepts and just continues to evolve and evolve and evolve them to the point where you can choose different weapons for each run. You can choose different boons from these gods. You can choose trinkets that enhance your playthrough. You can level up at the Mirror of Night every single playthrough through currencies that you that you get to keep on earning you get to uh build camaraderie with these different gods that you encounter throughout the storyline they'll give you little comments like you got poseidon basically saying like hey your dad sucks i'll be your dad uh <laughs> and it's like these things that happen after you've played the game for like 10 to 15 hours it's like the content just never ends uh and even then like you get to the end where you actually have to fight your dad Hades and every single time it's this meaningful encounter that you get to learn more and more about your dad's past and how he it's through that that uh, you learn like why he feels the way he does about you and the world outside of the underworld mm -hmm. and it's this really like at some points heartwarming uh, sometimes a little too real <laughs> thing yeah uh, but it is just this incredibly meaningful game that i even if you've never played a roguelike or if you have and you didn't really enjoy it go give this one a shot hades is incredible and such a good time nice yeah wow what an episode yeah i did a lot of talking we <laughs> We did a lot of jumping. I really like your episodes, and I think some people prefer them over our other ones that we produce because they are so, like, leapfroggy. Like, we got to talk about so much in one episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I got ADHD. That's, and this is just how it manifests. <laughs> you have 80 of them? I, I got ADHD. Woo! <laughs> I only got one HDTV. I think it might be a 4K. Yeah, anyway, when we get back from our brief musical interlude, uh, we're once again rejoined by the ghost of Nick Mustakangas, as well as last month's guest, uh, Clinton Avery Tharp. Ooh. So we'll be right back after these musical interludes. Sure. We're here again with uh, Clinton Avery Tharp, uh, the, the amazing, very talented, uh, viral TikTok sensation, uh, a self-proclaimed uh, furniture scientist and throw pillow expert. Did I get that right? That is correct. Thank you. Uh, he's back with us so kindly, set aside some more time so that we can record a quick this hosted by none other than Clinton Tharp himself. Are you ready, Clinton? 
Yes. All right. The time is yours. And the time starts now. So, guys, I want to talk about a show that I've been watching that I finished recently called Severance. Let's talk about Severance. It's on Apple Plus. And when I first was going to watch it, I was like, man, I don't know. Like, this is probably going to be hilarious because it's got Adam Scott in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're like, oh, this is a show as to if in Parks and Rec you would have taken the job in accounting. Exactly. Yeah. Adam Scott, exactly. Parks and Rec. He's in Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys ever see that show Party Down? It was like about a catering crew. That's where I first saw him. That show was on he, like 2009. He was also in a couple of episodes of Boy Meets World. Was he really? Fact. Yeah, he was like actually in an entire season of Boy Meets World as like the main antagonist. Wow. Blew my mind. What? Anyway. So, yeah, Adam Scott's in it. Guess who directed Severance? Ben Stiller. He and is, he he's an incredible director. I he know. directs some crazy. He directed the uh he cast it, I guess he didn't cast himself, but he self-directed in a uh, the remake of Secret Life of Walter Mitty that was like absolutely incredible. That's right. Yeah, yeah he di- I didn't realize he directed that. I think he did, but we have a fact checker who will check that for us. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds right. So but what's crazy is Severance is not super funny. It's Uh-oh. like it's funny, but it's more of uh it's more like drama and mystery and science fiction and dystopia and you know, like a dark comedy. Interesting. But it's yeah so watching it it's sort of like meditative and whatnot um but it's it's really cool uh i'll just read this about it severance is an american science fiction psychological thriller television series created by dan erickson and directed by ben stiller Hmm. it stars adam scott zach cherry Britt lauer trammell tillman jen tulloch and you know quite a few other people guess who also is in it John Turturro, Christopher Walken, Christopher. Ooh. That was very good. <laughs> and Patricia Arquette. Did you know you had a little Christopher Walken in you, or I did that just? No, oh, I was walking just... and talking. <laughs> that's <laughs> streaming. <That's... laughs> wow. So Do you practice American science fiction? Is this the thriller? Is this the first time that you've done this? I used to do it a lot. You're very good at it. <laughs> Thank you. You're very I good love at the it. Honesty. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, that's our fact checker, Chloe. Yeah, what do we do? Hi, get me. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. I summoned her. <laughs> not only was Secret Life of Walter Mitty directed and starring Ben Stiller, but our friend nice. Adam Got it right. Scott was also in that movie, which I did he not was. Know. He, he was the so maybe shitty boss. He was the guy maybe, that did the takeover. They must be okay. really good buds. I think maybe that's are. where they met up and started working together. I actually yeah. heard Ben Stiller on Smartless on that podcast, and he was talking about how. Like he saw Adam Scott like in Step Brothers or something, and was just like that That's guy is so good. Like his face, he just played the asshole so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and apparently that's kind of what happens to Ben Stiller. Like he gets kind of obsessed with people. Like Owen Wilson uh, was another one that he's like, okay, he's just gonna be in everything, everything. I do for a little <laughs> bit. And that's that's why the case with Adam Scott. I so yeah, we never see Ben Stiller in Severance. But man, I'm telling you, if you're looking for a show to watch and you're a person that likes, you know, 
obviously we all like comedy. If you don't like comedy, then there's something wrong with you and you should figure it out. Go to a therapist, get help, get help now. Um, but you know, if you also like psychological thrillers and sort of mystery and science fiction, severance is right up in that. And I had a good time watching it. I watched it alone. Uh, my wife goes to bed at night. So Mm. yeah, I will say this (laughs) kind of people go to bed at night. That's wild. She's get help. Get get help now, honey. <laughs> so, you should watch Severance. Did I mention John Turturro and Christopher Walken? Christopher Walken. Christopher Walk. Chris Walken. Mm-hmm. Because we're friendly with him. Yeah. That's that's incredible. But John Turturro uh, and Christopher Walken. I was like, what? They're both in this. I'll pretty much watch anything with Christopher Walken at this Same point. He here. was in. Right. I, ever since he doled out the line i want to destroy country bear hall i was like "Mm, i'm in (laughs) whatever he's got going i want to be there um that's that's incredible yeah science fiction bit of the plot yeah so yeah it's science fiction that's kind of wild well sorry thanks chloe chloe's still summoned we have to thank her for her to come yeah Yeah. she smells good yeah it's like (laughs) why she smells like knowledge or like a higher understanding yeah Mm -hmm. like what i imagine the angels in the bible were described as smelling like if they ever did that (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's kind of wild anyway you would just describe that like charles dickens took over part of the bible he's like so the angels smell right it's kind of wild that he didn't now that we're really thinking about it meditating on it but but yeah what's severance all about it's it's weird that you said it was sci-fi to an extent yeah a little bit so basically it's like sort of in the near future where uh some people at their jobs they are severed where they the person at their job is like a different version of them kind of like like one day you just wake up and you're like whoa this version of me is the person that's going to work and so in the show, when they get to work, you know, I'm me, Clinton Tharp. And I get to work and I go down the elevator. And once I get down, it's like I get severed. And it's like, whoa, I'm Clinton Tharp's innie. And he's my Audi. And I'm here just to do this work. And then when I go back up the elevator, I don't remember anything that I've done. And I'm living this separate life as the worker version. Huh. So the only... That's wild. That's my... That version yeah. of me... That's their only reality. Is like I just anytime I wake up and I'm at work. That's why I mean it speaks to disassociation, which is Definitely. incredible. That that's sort of a metaphor, and you know, especially in nowadays, that's kind of what we've all fallen into, which is unfortunate. Uh, but wow, that's super interesting. I'll definitely be checking that out. And I have a suggestion for you on a show you might want to watch. Really? That I Ooh, think. I this. A mini, the first one. a mini this, the first ever mini this. <laughs> it's in the same realm. Um, it's called Barry. Have you watched it yet? Oh yes, I just started it on HBO. Yes, yes. It's got Bill Hader in it. It's another one where you're like, oh, I want something funny and light to watch, and then you start it and you're like, oh, I'm actually not gonna get that, but I am gonna watch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't check it out. Super funny at first, and but then it's definitely got its comedy gold. Somewhere. It's got its charm. Yeah. Rarely from Bill Hader is what I'll yeah, say, exactly. which is wild. I know. Because all the com- he's comedy hilarious. comes from sporting. He seriously is. He was on SNL for so long. Yeah. Uh, but that's another episode well, of Entertain This in the Back. Which is what he's showing that's, you in yeah. Barry. Yes, which is something that he has not gotten the chance to show, I don't think, before I Barry. Not a, at I'm all, I don't like think. like four episodes in on Barry. There are three seasons. you got some catching up to do. Ooh. 
and I just saw that there's going to be uh, another season of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Did you guys watch oh, that? Yeah, I'm not fully caught up on Westworld. Oh, it gets it's so crazy. Right like the yeah. last season, you're like, I don't even care what's happening. It's just cool, man. <laughs> I don't even care. These robots, man, they're sexy. Yeah, and that's basically you'll sell that, me on it. That's why I watched iRobot. half the show. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. Another episode of Entertain This in the Bag. Thank you for coming back on, Clinton. Much appreciated for, for dealing out a little bit more of your time to do a quick this for us. It was fun. Uh, yeah, of course. We love talking about stuff that we, we love. Severance is, is, is one of them now. Uh, up, up, on the sh- up on the shelf of quick this is that we've done. Uh, go ahead and plug your stuff one more time. Episode number two, you're going to plug your stuff again. Hey guys, Clinton Avery Tharp here. You might know me from TikTok. Or, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm also on Instagram. <laughs> with uh, You do the at symbol, and then Clinton Avery Tharp, just one word. And that's how you find me on stuff. Or, you know, you can fax money to 580-4292, and I'll get it, hopefully. So, uh, How do fax machines work? I'm not sure. But... If you send the money, or you could do it to my cash app, but don't send me any dirty money. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is I'm Clinton Avery Tharp, and I had a really good time being on this podcast. Hopefully, I can come back sometime. Oh, heck yeah. You're welcome back anytime. Shoot us an email and be like, I'm coming on this week, and we'll be like, okay, we'll make yeah, we'll adapt. <laughs> awesome. We'll adapt. Yeah, I just want to be sure. like the little side guy that's like, hey, oh, I said a little thing. <laughs> okay here's what i need you to do is just take a little bit of time to just record a bunch of quips and then upload them all to the dropbox that i'm going to invite you to and i'll just throw them in randomly to all the future episodes so <laughs> we'll have good. we'll yeah. have a little clinton in every episode yeah. incredible um thank you guys so much for listening thank you again clinton uh, great having you on uh if you have anything in the realm of entertainment that you want to see us encapsulate here uh we, our goal is to encapsulate all things entertainment. If you want to help with that, then you can send us suggestions. And you might just end up a guest on the show like Clinton was last week. Uh, so there are a couple of different ways that you can reach out to us. Number one is you can go to our website, www.entertainthis.net slash podcast. We got a couple of shows up there, but that's how you get straight to ours. Scroll all the way to the bottom. There's a questionnaire that you can fill out that can send straight to us. You can send us an email. We're entertain or this podcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email with your suggestion. You can also find us on Twitter. We're entertain underscore this. On Instagram, we are Entertain This Podcast, and on Facebook, we're Podcast Entertain This. And as always, entertain us so we can entertain you, and you can entertain this. We'll see you next Friday. Bye! See ya! Bye! (laughs) This episode of Entertain This was written by Michael Savoya, with additional commentary by Alex Steele and Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rush Bowl by Aaron Spencer, with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.